Yesterday, the bond markets were screaming bloody Swiss. The forced combination between UBS and Credit Suisse, well, we think it's forced. It certainly wasn't natural. That didn't seem to have much of a, a positive effect on markets. Rates across the European continent were were down precipitously as there was not a lot of faith, not just in the merger, but also the coordinated action by all the central banks, the big ones anyway, the six of them, the Fed, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, ECB, and of course the Swiss National Bank got together. They changed something about their dollar swaps, which have been open this entire time, essentially trying to create an announcement effect that in the marketplace had no effect. So you had yields dropping precipitously yesterday, things looking pretty bad, and then today it looks like everything's fine again. We're talking about rate hikes at the Fed and inflation risk. How big is this stock rally going to be in the United States? That Silicon Valley bank stuff? Ancient history. Or is it? This is how crises tend to go. There's a back and forth and ebb and flow. They never go in a straight line. One day it seems like maybe the world's gonna end and the next day it seems like not just everything's fine, everything's gone right back to normal as if nothing ever happened. When the truth is really somewhere in between. And so the question we have is, how do we know if we're in a crisis or not? I mean, last week and the week before certainly made it seem like that was the case, but did, is it still continuing? Is there more to come? How do we know? Well, one way you won't know is from the word of politicians and central bankers, because they're going to tell you everything is fine right up until the moment it's absolutely positively clear it's more than not fine. Uh, think about 2008, for example. It took Lehman Brothers and AIG and Wachovia and Citigroup and TARP and everything else before the Federal Reserve under Ben Bernanke, as well as the government, the Bush administration, finally came out and said, all the stuff that we threw at the wall in the first half of 2008, guess what? That didn't actually work. And even though it appeared to be calm there, it actually wasn't calm. There was stuff going on that if you paid attention, you would have known the crisis was not over with Bear Stearns. So politicians, central bankers, they're not going to be of any help to the markets or our ability to interpret the situation. One way we can tell there's a crisis is, of course, the markets and the curves, which we've covered endlessly, especially recently. So let's look at some other data sources today, other ways to figure out whether or not we're in dire, a dire situation, whether or not we're going to continue to be in a dire situation. Data is, in terms of real, the real monetary system, the euro dollar system, it's pretty thin. I mean, we have things like tick, but that's that's down the, I mean, that's two months in arrear. So by the time we get to the March data, it'll be in the middle of May. Not necessarily, I mean, that'll be helpful in May to decide how everything, what we, to basically confirm what we all thought was happening in March actually happened. There's data from the BIS, but again, that's at a huge delay. Uh, what else do we have? We've got, you know, real-time stuff from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, the primary dealer survey, data like repo fails, but even that's a little bit of a lag a couple weeks. You know, that's not great either. There's some Fed data, memo data on U.S. Treasury securities. So basically we're left with something like primary credit, which I talked about recently, the discount window, how there's an enormous amount of borrowing in the discount window, which is an incredibly bad sign. There's also something called Federal Home Loan Bank Advances, which I briefly talked about in another video talking about primary credit. 
And the word we got from Bloomberg today, a report that came out for Bloomberg, or some anonymous sources indicating something going on with the FHLBs, tells us that, yes, this is probably an ongoing monetary funding crisis, and it is not getting any better, at least not yet. In fact, the FHLB banks, the cooperatives, seem to be preparing for some worst-case scenarios. So today we're going to talk about FHLBs, the advances, and what they're telling us about the monetary situation and the potential for an ongoing crisis, regardless of what the Fed says. doesn't matter what they say on TV or the politicians. Markets and this type of data will help you decide what's really happening. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. If you're interested, we have memberships available. I actually just posted publicly for the first time one of our member videos because it seemed to be quite appropriate given the circumstances. It's a video on what is a bank and what is a bank run. And it's not what you think. And that's sort of, that's, that's the type of material and exclusive videos that you can expect to find for Eurodollar University members. We also have uh, research subscriptions, a partnership with Markets Insider Pro. I do a daily briefing there, as well as my daily deep dive analysis, where we dive deep into these things like FHLB advances and what they mean and historically, as well as in the current context. All the information, subscriptions, memberships, eurodollar.university. We're going to focus on FHLBs for what I think will be very obvious reasons in just a moment. And the reason they're obvious is because the FHLB network, let's, what are these federal home loan banks? Well, as I said, they're, they're a group of cooperatives, not really banks, they're cooperatives that regional banks in particular use to help them fund not just mortgages, primarily the mortgages, but other types of community and regional credit. Because as a small regional bank in this massive, wide-scale, broad-scale world, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. Even though the FHLB history goes back to the Great Depression, Really, they've come into their own in the 60s, 70s, Eurodollar era, wholesale funding, which the FHLBs are a huge part of the wholesale network. So when you look at the FHLB balance sheet, that's what you see. The biggest form, the biggest liability is consolidated obligations, either short run or long term. How the FHLBs manage their liabilities depends on market conditions, obviously, but essentially, there's short-term, long-term debt obligations that they issue into the marketplace. And then the biggest part of their asset structure or the biggest asset they hold, the claims on these regional banks in the form of advances. There's a short-term short advances, short-term funding that allows banks to put together these whatever various securities or debt instruments they're trying to do, whatever, whatever, whatever the regional banks have on their agenda that the FHLBs can help them with. And then if the FHLBs have any cash left over, as you can see here, they're active in wholesale markets like repo and federal funds. In fact, they're basically the only ones left in federal funds because nobody else is there. So as the, the FHLBs bring in, bring in money from debt issuance and then disperse it to other banks through advances and whatever's left over goes into repo and fed funds for other any type of, any type of financial institution to use down the road. So let's talk about strictly advances. 
Regional banks use the FHLB advance, as I said, as a, main, a means to put together the initial stages of whether it's mortgage bonds or something like that. So what you see is that, sure enough, when you look at the history of advances, we'll focus here strictly on the 21st century just for the sake of time, but it, it, this, the analysis is, is just the same for any period before that too. Um, what you see in the early part of the 21st century as the housing bubble was starting to really get bubbly, banks increasingly accessed these FHLB advances because they were financing their packaging of mortgage loans. The initial the initial origination and uh, putting together the mortgage mortgage processes as they happened. So FHL, FHL, FHLB advances rose with demand for housing financing, at least a short-term startup financing, and continued right on until the middle 2000s, until you get to around 2005, 2006. Suddenly the housing market starts to roll over, hit its top, and begin to decline a little bit at first. And with the decline in demand for new housing, new housing financing, new mortgages for either resales or existing, whatever the case may be, lower, lower demand for housing finance, lower use of FHLB advances. So far, so good. It all makes perfect sense. But then you get fast forward to the Third quarter of 2007, August 9th of 2007, which was, of course, a major event in Eurodollar history. That was when the system really broke down, the date we can date, where we can start the crisis and move forward from there. And banks, especially regional banks, they went running to the FHLB for funding that they could not get in the market that had nothing to do with demand for creating mortgage or mortgage bonds. Essentially, the FHLB, these, these cooperative banks, were doing the job of the Federal Reserve. Rather than going to the discount window, regional banks were accessing advances because they were allowed to under certain circumstances and, and creating, getting funding from, through these advances to try to tide them through the initial stages of the crisis that they couldn't get from the marketplace. So in that sense, it is very similar to what we saw later on in the crisis at the discount window, where when you see these types of spikes in government government uh, government funded credit, especially short-term advances from FHLB, what that tells you is that the marketplace is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. There isn't funding available like there was before. So the massive spike from the third quarter of 2007 until the third quarter of 2008 wasn't the housing market coming back. It was massive inelasticity. That was a crisis type of event. It only lasted until Lehman Brothers, the GSEs, the FHLB's partners in crime, Fannie and Freddie, um, they got taken into conservatorship, which impaired the ability of FHLBs to do their own job. Advances started to roll over and fall. At the worst possible time, the Fed ramped up its own efforts. So some banks found funding at the Fed rather than FHLBs. But what you saw from there was the crisis became the crisis that we know. But the spike in FHLB advances before them from 2007 to 2008 told you that whatever anybody said during that period it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't positive it wasn't coming together it was, the fed was not being effective banks were still accessing this 
emergency form of short-term funding rather than going into the market, which if everything was good and everything was becoming better, they would get out of the marketplace, which they weren't doing. So let's now we fast forward to... 2013, 12, 13, somewhere in there. We've got the housing bust. We've got the, we've got the market slowly starting to recover. The housing market in the United States beginning to recover, and so we see once again a gentle upward slope and rise in banks using the FHLB as a short-term funding technique to get their restarted mortgage businesses restarted back on their feet. The housing, the housing real estate market coming back from the depths of the big bust. So that makes sense too. And then you, then you look at 2018 and 2019 where we had housing start to roll over and fall down again, just like in the middle 2000s. And sure enough, use of the FHLB advances declines a little bit, gently, not a whole lot. Uh, consistent with the housing market retreating, getting into maybe a little bit of a downturn, a substantial downturn, but it wasn't crisis type of, of behavior. You didn't see a massive spike up nor in a massive spike down. You had the gentle multi-year rise as the housing market recovered. And then 2018 and 2019, as the housing market took out some steam out of the housing market, not, 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 not needing as many advances from the FHLB. Then we get a big spike, a relatively, relatively decent sized spike in the first quarter of 2020 for obvious reasons. The monetary crisis in March of that year, as well as pandemic uncertainty, funding markets breaking down, again, reinforcing the notion that when you see a spike in use of FHLB advances, like a spike in use at the discount window, it's because the private marketplace is not performing in the way that we would like, which I'm sure you've been staring at these charts all along at the far right hand side where we have this massive increase that is on par with 20, 2007 and 2008. And that is the second, third and fourth quarters of last year. And what you might remember about the second, third and fourth quarters of last year, first of all, it was after March, a big spike up in oil, as well as the yield curve inversions and all the financial indicators that told you that funding was probably not going very well, which we know obviously that was the case. Um, we also know that the housing market was experiencing a rapid downturn, not an upturn. So use of the FHLB windows all last year or these advances all last year had nothing to do with the housing market. Rather, this was a funding issue, a funding squeeze in the global marketplace. The numbers were pretty substantial too. So again, consistent with what we saw behavior and curves. The second quarter of last year, we saw an increase in the advances used of 147 billion in the third quarter, another 140 billion. In the fourth quarter, even though it seemed like things were a little bit better, banks were still accessing these FHLB advances to the tune of 163 billion. So the final three quarters of last year, almost half a trillion in funding being used at the FHLB, which, which meant that the FHLB had to go into the bond market, which it had much better terms than these regional banks would have found going into the bond market to raise and issue these consolidated obligations in order to raise the funds to then advance to these banks. Now, we don't have the data for the first quarter of 2023, obviously, because the first quarter of 2023 isn't even finished yet. 
But what we do have is over the last couple of weeks, we've got reports out of Bloomberg, which, yeah, they don't, these, these are not good signs. These are sort of, these are really warning indications. So if in the th final three quarters of last year, advances rose by $450 billion, which meant the FHLB had to issue about the same amount in debt. Otherwise, they would have to take money out of the funds that they're, re they're uh, lending and repo and fed funds. So they got to issue more debt to, create, to uh, fund these advances. And what Bloomberg said on Monday, March 13th, was that from their own sources, the FHLBs were saying they were going to raise about $90 billion in bonds. They were going to issue $90 billion worth of consolidated obligations for the purposes we presume, quite reasonably, because banks were going to need them for advances. Now, we saw, we saw the big spike in the use of the discount window last week. We can probably, and again, it's reasonable to, to, to expect that banks were also using FHLB advances as well as the discount window because private markets were completely broken down. So $80 billion, almost $90 billion in additional debt for advances last week. That made a lot of sense, Perf uh, perfectly consistent with all the crisis indications in the markets and elsewhere. But then yesterday... Bloomberg again says, according to its sources, which they're not revealing for because um, we don't we're not privy to these types of this type of information. The FHLB says it's going to issue 300 billion in just a week this week, presumably, because, again, it's reasonable to presume that banks are I mean, they're, they're issuing these bonds. Uh, after consulting with most of the regional bank customers, the members of the co-ops, and saying, how much funding do you think you're going to need from us this week? And if they come back and say, well, we need to issue $300 billion in bonds on top of the $90 billion some, almost $90 billion that we issued last week, what that suggests is that they're, the FHLB is being hit with a run of regional bank funding to the tune of another $400 billion. In a couple weeks, it took three quarters or nine months last year for this for the spike to rise 450 billion and here we are getting indications that banks are so so in need of funding because the private market won't provide it that maybe they're going to need another 400 billion dollars in the short run here just a couple of weeks that is about as much of a crisis indication as you'll see too but again, like the discount window, use at the FHLB corresponds with the worst conditions, monetary and financial conditions, not the best, nor the end of those bad conditions. When you see banks go to the discount window or these FHLB advances, that's an indication that the markets are not working. The monetary system is inelastic and broken down. And if it's... The more these things go up, the more you know it isn't working. So there's a number of ways that we can tell that we're still experiencing a monetary problem, a monetary crisis right now, and this would be right at the top of the list. Even if the day-to-day -day markets trading and condi conditions change, yesterday's bad, today's great, in the background, you have to understand what's really going on. It doesn't always come out in the day-to-day -day fluctuations in even the bond market or Eurodollar futures or some of the others that we watch. But all, be, all behind the scenes and in the shadows, 
we've got this stuff going on. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. I also, I also appreciate our Eurodollar University members. And thank you. Thank those members for allowing me to put out a video on YouTube in public about banking and bank runs, because I think we're going to go, we're going to need to, re, to refer to it over the days, months, and weeks ahead, days, weeks, and months ahead. And until next time, take care.